Hi there, this is Jeff Otis, Senior Wealth Consultant and Partner at Evergreen GovCal, and you're listening to Coffee with Evergreen on the Evergreen Exchange. I hope you enjoy this 15-minute conversation between myself and Chief Investment Officer David Hay. And as always, thanks for listening. Hey, listener, this episode requires an extra disclosure. Jeff Otis is an employee and partner of Evergreen GovCal. All views and opinions expressed by Jeff and any guest of the podcast are solely the individual's views and do not necessarily reflect the views of Evergreen GovCal. Evergreen GovCal's clients may hold securities mentioned in this podcast at any given time. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions or be considered investment advice. Enjoy the episode. All right, Dave. Well, I appreciate you being here with us. We've got uh, David Hay, our chief investment officer, and someone I go back almost, what, 14 years of the firm with together. But uh, this is your first coffee with Evergreen, so welcome. Well, thank you, Jeff. Thanks for having the old guy on your show. This is quite an honor. <laughs> well, it's, it's good to have you here. Uh, and, and for the first time, I think, in audio form, I mean, you do such a great job with our weekly newsletters and have been for years and years now uh, in written form. But it's nice, I think, for listeners that have, or readers that have been following us now, listeners, to be able to hear uh, directly from you. So I'm going to get you started right off with what's driving markets today. Well, I think it's pretty much the same thing that's been driving them for the last uh, 11 years. And to that point, I listened to your very good podcast you did with this Tyler Hay guy, whoever he is. <laughs> you know him pretty well. <laughs> pretty well. Known him for about almost 40 years. But the, uh, I thought he did a good job last week, actually. Yeah, he did. He did. Well, he's always had the, the gift of gap. I wonder where he gets that. Right. So his basic point was it's the Fed creating liquidity, injecting that liquidity into the system, which they've been doing ever since the, uh, the global financial crisis. Though I would say that there was uh, an interval there back in 2017, 2018, where they did the double tightening. That's something I was writing about quite a bit at the time, where they were raising rates and they were also shrinking the size of their balance sheet. So it was basically a reverse QE, first time that ever happened. And for a long time, the market ignored that. I kept saying there's going to be a point where, you know, at some some juncture, all of a sudden that the uh, market realizes that there is a um, a problem. And that's kind of the, the history of Fed tightening cycles is the market is oblivious or is even sanguine, saying this is a sign of economic vitality. And then at some point, there's that off the, the coyote, coyote off the cliff moment. And that's what happened, if you remember, at the end of 2018, where the market dropped 20%, 10% of it, right around Christmas time. And that caused Jay Powell to do a huge blink and go the other way. So he actually then shortly thereafter started cutting interest rates. And of course, in September of 2019, I shouldn't say, of course, a lot of people don't realize he started QE4. So we've had this enormous liquidity situation, which, of course, accelerated uh, at an exponential rate after COVID hit. And we're looking at probably around $9 trillion of total government deficit spending between last year, this year and next year. And virtually all of that's being financed by the Fed. So it's a great thing in the near term for asset prices. The other thing, too, that's driving markets, obviously, is the vaccine news. And that news just gets better and better with the latest uh, on Johnson & Johnson's approval that it apparently works well even against the, the uh, virus variants. So uh, lots of good news. And I, I still think we're in the sweet spot where you have all this Fed liquidity. You've got the reopening good news because of the vaccines. And yet you don't really have inflationary pressures too badly though there are some definite signs of inflation, depending on what industry you're in. And I wrote about that last summer. I wrote again about it last week. We did a guest EVA on that topic. 
So it's kind of this fun time where stocks go up, but clearly, as you and I were talking before we went on the air here, that there is a rotation going on, a rotation away from it. Today, the NASDAQ's down almost 2%, and uh, midstream energy's up 2%, and which is kind of the ultimate value uh, sector these days. And, and that's been one of my beliefs, is that we would see a similar scenario to what happened back in early 2000 coming out of the tech bubble where uh, you did see value stocks start to perform very well. They'd been in a two-year bear market prior to, and then the, the tech uh, stocks were absolutely crushed. I don't think they're going to get as hit as hard this time, but they could. And they went down 80% uh, from 2000 to 2003. Uh, but uh, I, I doubt it will be quite that bad. But anyway, that's kind of a quick overview of where I see the markets right now. Yeah, one one follow up there before I, I want to chat about opportunities ahead. But a follow up since I interviewed Tyler a week ago, I mean yields have have spiked, uh, you know, just in the last week or so. What, like, why is that happening? What's the market pricing in? And you know, maybe talk to listeners that maybe aren't following the bond market as closely. Uh, what's happening and why that matters? Well, I think you're right. I think that's been a, a problem for the tech stocks here lately because they're long duration assets. And when you have a very high PE, that means you've got a longer effective maturity. That's kind of bond market lingo applied to stocks. So that's one uh, consideration is the rising rates, lower PEs. Uh, but that's something that we've been writing about for a number of months now that we thought that we're going to see rising inflation concerns, a very strong economy. And that uh, that would likely put upward pressure on interest rates. And certainly the 10-year Treasury has gone from 50 basis points to almost 150 basis points, so roughly a tripling in a very short period of time. And it's happening around the world. There's, this is a rising interest rate situation around the world. And you could take the positive view that this is just a sign of, hey, things are getting better and it's really not a problem. You could say negative uh, yields still exist on a real basis. So if you think that inflation's running at two, the 10 years at one and a half, you're still losing a half a percent a year to inflation by owning a 10-year treasury. Uh, it's worse, of course, in Japan and, and in Europe. But um, yeah, I do think it's a big deal. And I think the Fed is going to be quite concerned should the rate on the 10-year get up around 2%. I wouldn't be surprised if they then try to do this yield curve, curve control where they try to force longer term rates down. And they'll do that, of course, by printing up even more trillions. And it's, it's a huge bond market. So even for the Fed, it's a, it's a challenge to kind of keep those rates under control. They're much more easily able to do that at the short end of the curve you know, with T-bills and so forth. Yeah, I think the reason why this topic for me makes <clears throat> makes sense to chat about is in all my years in this business and talking to clients, talking to investors, so many investors focus on the stock market, right? I mean, that's like 90% of the questions that we get or, or, you know, the conversations that we have is what's going on in the stock market, what stocks to own, what stocks not, not to own. Um, but yeah, you can make the case right now that the bond market is driving the stock market. And, and so, you know, I just don't know if enough investors out there, even listeners, clients, realize that. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. Um, but I think if you're going to work with a money manager, I think you should work with somebody that is really capable on both sides of the portfolio. You know, so often I <clears throat> I talk to clients, like I say, and, you know, they're, they're working with money managers that maybe specialize in stock picking. And then on the bond side, it's kind of like, yeah, we do this bond ladder and that's about it, right? It's just like kind of a very vanilla approach to managing uh, bond exposure. And I just think in today's environment and moving forward, you, it may require a different playbook than that if you're trying to get max value. Would you would you agree with that? Absolutely agree with that. And I'm actually proudest of what we've done with the bond market over the years in terms of when we've extended duration, which we did 
back when the Fed was tightening, rates were rising. A lot of people were afraid to buy bonds because they saw rates going up. It created an inverted yield curve, which is always a great buying signal uh, in my view, and that turned out to be the case. And then uh, once we had all the dislocations last March, we then sold a lot of those very conservative treasury CD types of holdings with longer maturities to buy more equity income things, which were absolutely getting nuked last March. And yeah, I think you're exactly right. We do that. We're, we're much more proactive on the bond and income side of the portfolio than I think most of our competitors are. We try to take- I think it matters. I mean, I think it matters, especially moving forward. I, I think it really matters. So uh, maybe we'll do a one-off podcast on that so we don't just drill into that for the rest of our time here. But I, I just want to highlight that. Um, sure. And then, we'll, so anyways, let's go to the next question. So next question uh, to be time sensitive. I do want to talk about opportunities you see in the market ahead. Uh, so what, what should investors be looking at, paying attention to opportunity-wise? I think the opportunities with those companies that do benefit from reopening reflation and eventually inflation, uh, it's my belief that inflation is going to be running hotter than most people expect as we get deeper into the year and we move out of the sweet spot, kind of move from the inflationary boom to the inflationary bust phase, as our friends at GAFCOW like to say it. Uh, so if you've got a company with pricing power, like some of the steel stocks, we do I actually like the gold miners very much. I don't know if you have real pricing power there, but you've got tremendous, uh, attractive, tremendously attractive valuations and tr- a great inflation hedge. Some of the renewable energy stocks have actually been hit really hard lately. Uh, some that we trimmed earlier that have come down to where they, you can get a yield of almost 5% uh, with a good inflation hedge and obviously a, a great green technology story. So I think in general, you want to be in companies that do have pricing power where their, you know, their, their cost of goods is going up uh, at a slower rate than they're able to uh, increase their own pricing. I think it's going to be a very different environment than what we've seen in, in quite a long time. In fact, as you know, I haven't been worried about inflation in 40 years, and I've written on this a fair amount, and I'm worried about inflation, but not immediately. I think as we get later this year into next year in particular. Yeah, well, I think you're still one of the few around, right, that ha- that has managed money through an inflationary period. I mean, there's not there's not many uh, money managers these days that have actually managed money through that period. So nice to have you and your uh, your perspective on our team. Um, let's talk about risks. So, what risks do you see in the market? What risks do you, see, do you think investors should be paying attention to? Well, I think it's back to the bond market and maybe the currency markets too, because I think the bond market, the Treasury bond market, and the dollar are linked. So I'd keep an eye on what's going on with with the dollar and, and with interest rates, because everything right now is hinging on the Fed's ability to continue to, to finance the government deficit with printed money, which is really uh, you know just a shocking development that's happening in the world's greatest superpower. So anything that upsets that narrative, that, that ability of the Fed to just effortlessly create trillions, uh, that's what I think people should be really worried about in terms of when does this great party end. You know, it's probably not gonna be day after tomorrow, we probably still have an you know, extended runway for this phenomenal bull market. But as you know, I believe that what we're doing is modern monetary theory. And if you look at the history of MMTs that have been tried in the past, you get this tremendous asset boom at first, and then eventually get inflation, which uh, brings things down. So I just can't emphasize enough how important it is for people to be thinking about the, uh, you know, the risk of that, but also the opportunities of that. Well, good stuff. I mean, we try to keep these things to 10, 15 minutes or so. So I mean, as much as I want to pepper you with a few more, I think we should wrap up there and dot, dot, dot for another day. Um, but before we get out of here, so bonus question, and I rotate around with some of these, but for you, I'm going to go, what's, what is your favorite film? Well, Jeff knows that I'm a film buff, so I actually have five. 
Chinatown, The Searchers, Sunset Boulevard, Grand Torino, and It's a Wonderful Life. And for all those, and then young if you were going to pick one out of those, if you, if you had to, <laughs> if you had to pick one of the five, which one are you going with? Uh, I guess in honor of Frank Capra, who was my mentor at one time, It's a Wonderful Life, the Christmas movie. There you go. All right, Chief Investment Officer David Hay, appreciate your time, and we'll do this again. Thanks, Jeff.